<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to I've Heard That, the podcast from Heard App Marketing that discusses digital marketing trends, tips, and more. Hi, welcome to the podcast. This is Megan. I'm agency director of Heard At. So I just want to welcome Aaron and Max to today's show. Tell me a little bit about yourself. What do you do at Heard At? Yeah, um, I'm Aaron Mackle. I'm the director of agency strategy at Heard At. So I'm kind of involved in, in projects all over the place from, from hearing what clients are trying to achieve all the way through the execution of those projects and making sure we, we achieve those, those strategies we set out. Awesome. And welcome, Max. Tell us what hey, you at Heard At. Uh, I am the creative director at Heard At. Uh, so that means I'm in charge of all creative aspects uh, for clients and for our own brands. When we, so we're going to start this podcast, we wanted to make sure that it's going to be useful to listeners. So I know um, when we have potential clients come in, like they really do start with you, you two strategy and design. What are some of the um, misconceptions that you hear or some of the things that make you cringe um, when clients ask for something? What, what are those things they're asking for? Yeah, I, I'd say one thing for sure is a kind of a misconception about um, timelines for results and wanting to really label that, um, especially depending on what type of project we're talking about. But um, SEO is a great example of that, where if if you're thinking you're going to get results within weeks or even a couple months, um, you're already kind of expecting a little too much from, from a tactic like that. So um, I, I'd say that's one big one right off the bat that's that's important to discuss. Yeah, timeline's crucial. Um, what about you, Max? What kind of requests are you getting that make you cringe? Um, I don't know so much about cringe. It's, I think most people don't realize how long some of this stuff takes. Uh, kind of the piggyback on what Aaron was saying. Um, I've been doing this for 24 years professionally, and people still ask me to just Photoshop something. Um <laughs> which is Photoshop's great. It's a set of tools. I mean, I, I came into the industry uh, learning how to do paste up. And for a big chunk of my early career, I was running film and getting stuff ready for press. Um, Photoshop's great in the sense that it takes a lot of those physical tools and distills them into a software version, but you have to know what all those tools do. Um, and it, I feel like it's gotten worse um, the last... I don't know, five, six years with kind of the app economy and how apps now can let people kind of be sort of good at design, um, but not really understand why something is working or how. So the kind of the democratization of the tools, which in essence is a good thing, has led to a lot of misconceptions about how easy or difficult something is to create. Sure. There's a lot of like do-it-yourselfers because of those apps that, I mean, I think about like Canvas is a business like tool. Sure. Small businesses can use it, but how does that compare to like the design services that you do or um, like right. what we offer and, and why are they different? 
When well, when should you use of, a Canva or use a service? Yeah, in a lot of ways, those services are great, uh, especially if you keep it simple. Um, but if you're trying to match your brand exactly or, you know, a lot of people, you know, an easy test when they're laying out typography and something like uh, Canva, if I say the word, you know, hey, the letting is too tight and they don't understand what that is, that may be a sign that you might need our services. Um, it's just a level of professionalism that you're not going to get from that. Uh, but like I said, I don't want to discount those services because they do a lot of good, especially if you're in a small business situation and you're just trying to get, uh, build some awareness for your brand. Um, there's nothing potentially wrong with that. It's just, once you get to a certain level and you've seen some success, you know, it might be time to start talking to a professional design team, um, to help out with your, uh, social and branding efforts. Yeah. Time to level up. What about you, Aaron? Like, what do you see like tools that are good do it yourself tools? Um, and when do you kind of move away from those tools to like a professional service? Yeah. Um, that's an inter interesting question from, from the strategy standpoint. Um, but you know, I'd, I'd say one thing, just going back a little bit to the misconceptions that we've talked about and, and something we've been experiencing over the last year, or I guess just the the digital marketing world has been experiencing with, with COVID and some of these do-it-yourself options coming out is like um, some of them make people think lightning can strike. Um, and um, Max, yes. Max and I were kind of talking about this where... Um, the other day where like a lot of people think they can set up a Shopify store, um, use drop shipping solutions um, and start running Facebook ads. And all of a sudden they're, <laughs> you know, they they're making, mil you know, millions where um, sometimes lightning strikes like that. But I think it's important to when when thinking about digital marketing, think of it as this comprehensive long term play. Um, those are those are the rare instances and um what we want to get across is that you need to be thinking about digital marketing as a daily ongoing thing where you're building your brand, building your presence and, and really thinking about it um, almost the way um, digital marketing is becoming more of just real marketing. It's, it's not, it's not necessarily the tools or the tactics that make it great. So um, all the tools are great and they all have their place, but it, it has to be backed by real, strategies and processes and and be a, a long-term effort yeah I think to add on to that like some of the conversations I've had with clients it's um, having that light bulb moment where like digital marketing isn't a one and done it's not something you like check the box for Definitely. and your strategy too and your design I guess because um, user behavior is changing like how are you meeting what that customer or like helping that customer find what they're looking for and if you think it's one and done then you're gonna maybe hit the mark maybe for like three months and then mm -hmm. you're going to be cha then you're going to be behind again. Um, and yeah, it's not field of dreams. It's, <laughs> you, it's not as simple as building it. No, come it's, it's ongoing efforts constantly. Well, and it's not a solution for um, solving like um, customer service issues. I think a lot of times when we have brands that we um, maybe are like consulting with, they say, Hey, I have this issue. And for me, sometimes I'm like, well, do you answer your phone when it rings? Uh, okay, well, that's also why, like, or is, is the person on the other end of that phone, like, able to book appointments, or you're already too full, or they're rude to your customers, or your voicemail's full? Like, all of those issues are business issues that, like, 
the greatest digital marketing plan in the world can't solve for. Like, yes, we can help you um, book appointments online, but if someone calls with a question and that person can't answer that, then how do we solve that online? But it's not, they're not a one for one um, solution. You have to have both customer experience and service in person, and that should translate to your brand and your, your site online. Absolutely. And to, to continue on with that too, I think um, a lot of thought around digital marketing is, is very focused on um, growing traffic where um, the processes you've talked about uh, with those in-person interactions, if that's what th- that business needs to do to, to kind of convert that extra visibility or um, even building out the strategy on the site, sometimes um, converting isn't always a purchase um, sometimes it's getting information from them so that you can continue to market to them and things along those lines. Um, and, and I think sometimes those things get overlooked and, and it's just really looking at is traffic growing and are transactions growing or, or whatever that final outcome is. But there's a lot that goes on in between that that I think gets overlooked um, by many. Yeah. Um, for both of you, I guess this stands for both of your areas um, of expertise. Uh, when a client comes to us and says, Hey, like, how can you help me? What are the, what are the areas you look at or where should our business owners be looking to find those areas of opportunity? If you can kind of like break that down into like a, a, where are you auditing, I guess? Yeah, that's, that's really, um, very much client by client and industry by industry. But, um, I definitely think we start with the website. That's, that's the home for, for kind of all your, your digital marketing efforts and, we're going to make sure that that is in a good place to um, perform based on whatever the goals are, even even if we're talking about um, paid campaigns as the thing that, that they want to push forward and, and grow their their company through. Um, if the website's not right, it's those those campaigns aren't going to convert if it's if it's loading slow or um, just really isn't easy to kind of find the next step to take. Um, the best ca- paid campaigns with the best CPAs are, you know, that are driving traffic at a affordable rate could fail once they get to the site. So for me, that's, that's kind of always the starting point. I know that breaks my digital marketing heart <laughs> to seeing <laughs> clients pour in um, paid spend. And it's like a stiff arm, like their website's like literally stiff arming <laughs> customers. You get there and it's like not loading or you can't find what you need. Oh, and it's just like your paid campaign just went down uh, the toilet because your clients got to your site, you paid for them to bring them to your door and then you stiff arm, stiff arm them. So what about you, Max? Where do you look? Um, you know, I, I always ask first, what hurts? What's their pain point? Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of, usually whatever they say is systemic throughout their business um, and can be solved. Uh, but it just, you, you have to start with a conversation and really get to know their business and where they're at as a business owner and um, or internal marketing department or whatever. And then we can kind of help solve for that either by supplementing or, you know, taking control of their marketing efforts, um, just seeing where we can help out. Yeah, I think that's a good point too. That uh, it doesn't have to, it can be anything from a supplement like, "Hey, how can we help support or um, amplify the efforts that you already are, have going?" To, okay, you uh, want to focus on your business, like hand us hand us the keys to the castle, and we'll build what 
um, what we've discussed. So I think it's anywhere in between. And yeah, having that conversation up front is really critical so that we can div- like design a strategy around what their objectives are. Yeah, and I'd say and pain, also, oh, go ahead, I'd, I'd say pain, the pain points are, are crucial, and then knowing what they what they feel like are their strengths too, and 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 amplifying those is always huge for us. Um, just the competitive advantages companies have can take them so far, but sometimes they're not. The customers don't know what those are, so right. figuring those out and really weaving those into the the entire strategy we build out is, is crucial as well. I was just going to say, you'd be surprised at how many people or clients, companies are doing something right and they don't realize it. Uh, And they come to us thinking that they're doing something wrong. And when they get told, well, actually, this is what we would recommend. And then here's where we would tweak it slightly. So I think it would be more successful to you. Um, That's important too. And it's always kind of nice to see that like, wave of relief across the face like oh i'm doing something right <laughs> uh and a lot of them do it's just sometimes they just need to have their strategy tweaked slightly and that's where we come in and just kind of help guide them on the path a little bit those yeah. are so exciting those are exciting conversations too when um, you do get to look through a client's site and you see so much positive or a, a client's digital marketing um presence and see much so much positive we we had a and dis- they just assume they just assume they're doing everything wrong. Yeah, in some cases, we had a discovery like, oh, call. Actually, this is good. <laughs> we had a discovery call a week or two ago, and and looking at the site, it was just so exciting to see how much was going right, but yet how much opportunity there was within that site to to make small adjustments that could have such a massive impact for them. So, I, that's a really great point, Max. Yeah, it's kind of the equivalent of like when you find like that hole in the wall gem of like a restaurant and you're like, why doesn't everybody know about this? Like, that's how I feel when we have those client moments because you're like, I just can't wait to share this, like amplify it with our strategies. Drive that Well, even in that example, like what's their GMB presence? (laughs) Exactly. You know? (laughs) Yeah, why doesn't everyone know about this place? Um, They're not on Google. Digital marketing, right. Uh, Yeah. So... What are some of the other things as we go through this like discovery process? Obviously, a lot of our clients have either done it themselves or they've worked with someone else. Um, what are some of the things that we've come across that um, obviously at Herdat, we pride ourselves in doing things um, the white hat way. So like the way that's going to have long term lasting effects, the way that's not like a quick um, fix uh, necessarily. So what are some of the things we've seen or what are some of the things that our clients should be wary of when they're going through that process of trying to figure out should they do it themselves or should they pick somebody um, to assist them? I'd say, um, you know, this one's very, very common. And But if anyone's promising positions on like Google search results or anything like that, um, that that's an instant red flag and, and you just need to run the other way. Um, no one controls the way Google displays results. Um, they're changing on an ongoing basis, but a great strategy will will get you visible in many different ways. Um, a, a large group of keywords, it's just, it's never going to be a guarantee that it's position one. Some of them will be, some of them won't. Um, so so for me, that's definitely one big red flag if, if you're talking to an agency or, or a consultant that um, you should know to, to start looking elsewhere if, if you hear that. Can they promise traffic? What about like if they're promising uh, like X amount of visits to your site or a certain volume of traffic? I would say a certain, 
putting exact numbers on it's very difficult, but definitely if they're, if they're talking about growth over time, that that's a reasonable thing to expect. That's why you're hiring someone in the first place. But um, yeah, labeling exact numbers would be tough, but I think those are important goals to set, um, but maybe not guarantees necessarily. Sure. Of course. What about you, Max? Um, a lot of the same with Aaron. Um, I would say probably from a creative standpoint, what I've run into is maybe a client saying, uh, yeah, our logo, we had it designed by somebody on Fiverr. And that raises a lot of red flags. Not that everybody on Fiverr is bad, but there are a lot of scam artists who steal others' artwork. Uh, so, you know, I would really, I, I wouldn't use Fiverr for that in the first place, but if you had, I would definitely ask to see that person's work and their process and how that was developed over time. Um, that's always a little scary because then that ties into their brand, that ties into their trademark, ties into copyright. Um, it's a potentially very expensive fix um, to get that so it's unique and right and legal. Um, and there's not much recourse for you if you are not on the right side of the law on that. So those are the ones that kind of worry me a little bit whenever whenever somebody has done anything through crowdfunding or crowdsourcing, uh, either through a contest or from cheap services like Fiverr. Like, you pay what you get or pay for what you get. So, you know, it's if you're not willing to spend the money, you're going to maybe get garbage. So, Yeah, and how awful to build your brand on something um, that – you know, like your logo, your brand recognition. And then if you have to change that or pivot, it's, um, it's almost like starting from ground zero. Cause again, you're starting with a new logo or a new identity or something. And yeah, that's a really important thing to get right out of the gate. And it's all the little tangible things that you don't think about, like, um, letterhead and business cards and everything else. I mean, that all adds up, not to mention like the website and, everything out. I mean, it's just, it's expensive. It's expensive to just, even if you were able to pivot quickly, it's still expensive the man hours to go through and change all your social profiles and to get stuff reprinted. And yeah, it's, that's where, you know, that, that makes me nervous when you, you have that conversation with the client and you're like, oh, hope fingers crossed. <laughs> um, so Obviously, a lot, many clients, mostly small, medium-sized businesses, even our enterprise clients, everyone has a budget, right? So how do we work backwards into um, planning a strategy and where should clients spend their, their budget when they're trying to think um, about what to tackle first? Yeah, I think that goes back kind of to what we were talking about with, with really figuring out what their pain points are and then what, what their goals are too going forward. Um, if, if they have a pretty, pretty limited budget and they really need to maximize it, um, we're going to be looking at the best um, long-term strategies that we can we can set into place early on, and then those continue to benefit them um, with the with the ongoing maintenance. But um, going forward, but if you know if a client has a, a small budget and they um, and we pitch to them um, paid campaigns in a super competitive space where um, they, they could blow through that monthly budget in two days or something like that. Um, that's not going to work. That's not going to work well for them. And so, so it really depends on what they're going for. But um, 
So yeah, so I guess <laughs> kind of yeah, uh, case by case, really. <laughs> Trick question. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Max, specifically for like a website? Um, what are the things you would want to invest in or what are some of the areas you could maybe leave um, like on a back burner? Well, it depend. It kind of depends on the size, what they're, what they predict maybe future growth is going to be. Uh, a lot of times that means getting them on a good content management system, uh, probably WordPress, um, something that's open source and cheap uh, for them to maintain. Um, and then also getting the right uh, theme framework in place uh, the, that makes it easy for them to update the site uh, if they can and want to do that themselves, uh, which we always promote and we always set up training for at the end of a project. Um, yeah, it just, it just kind of depends. We do everything from one-page websites to several hundred page websites. Um, and if they are on a budget, you know, we, it's like Aaron said, let's try to focus in on what's really going to be important and going to help them in the long term. And then once they see some success with that, maybe we can reinvest some dollars back into marketing and, and, and upgrade the site a little bit or upgrade their marketing efforts a little bit more and just, you know, we'll, we'll work with them. Yeah, same to that. I think um, what one of the things that you just said, Max, kind of like brought me back to a part of earlier part of our conversation about um, CMS, so your content management system, um, having the keys um, to your own site and feeling comfortable. Like, yeah, you may have a Lamborghini, so do you know how to drive it? Can can you make updates easily, quickly again to support like what your customers are looking for, what's happening inside your business, or anything like? that's relevant, that's happening in your industry. How quickly can you adapt? Can you do it on your own? Um, I think that's where we see like clients that have come to us for maybe like a website redesign are, um, their hands have been tied and they're, they're like, I can't even update this photo. We don't even have this employee anymore. Or, hey, we want to run a special, but it, we need to get it up there quickly and, and we don't even know where to start. So having the ability to make those content um, adjustments like and knowing how to do it comfortably is super important. And to your point, like that's why we we build a site, but we also hand over the keys and do some supplemental training and have like that support there so that we can assist um, either execute ourselves or assist um, clients that need that. And on top of that, too, I mean, like we're also available for additional training, um, which I think they appreciate because they might not make an update for a year and then they need to, and they've forgotten, which is fine. <laughs> We're more than happy to sit back down with them again and kind of go through it all up with them again. Um, and that happens. It's just, it's kind of a case by case basis. Sometimes uh, the company's super active and making updates from day one. And sometimes they never make updates and just ask us to do it. Um, but whatever I build, I try to make it so, they can easily update it and there's no, they don't have to go through code. They don't have to sift through anything. They can just easily find where it's at, make a quick text change and it's done. So I think that's very important. I think one thing too, thinking about, you know, fitting, fitting a strategy within a budget is um, just really getting down to what, what the client, the process looks like for a client to achieve their goals. Um, and, and starting with that and then building into the tactics and the things that make that happen. Um, 
some, you know, sometimes we'll hear, um, even though this doesn't get thought about necessarily in a digital marketing sense, it's digital conversions and things like that that get focused on a lot is, hey, we just need to get someone on the phone with us. And, and once we do that, we're going to close out that sale. Like that's what we need. So um, if we hear that, then it's, okay, how do we take your budget and folk funnel it into this thing that you need to have happen that brings you, you new business. So um, just one more thought there. Really, really it, it depends on, on what's going to get the clients the results they need that maximizes that budget that they're, that they're working with. I think some of the most interesting conversations I've had with our clients is hearing them, of course, because they're the experts in their industry or in their business, hearing how their customers do business with them or how they um, think about their customer's journey. I know like when we're talking about it, there's a lot of like jargon that happens. And but when we're talking about the customer journey with their with their clients, about how their clients find them, um, we sometimes see it's like a lot more simple. Like you just said, like, no, we just have to get them on the phone. Um, so how do we support that through digital marketing? Um, a lot, I am thinking some of our most like B2B complex type clients actually could be like those strategies are actually some of the most simple because it's like, Hey, we just need to get Mm -hmm. connect the dots between customer and business. They just need someone to schedule a demo or, um, watch, you know, a tutorial or um, pick up the phone and call. And it's like, how do we drive that action? That's what your site needs to do. You may have had like a huge, huge site that explained everything, but your customers aren't reading that. They just want to talk to someone in that case. Yeah, absolutely. And and like you said, it's really fascinating when you, you really get to understand a business, a client's business and, and how the processes work and, um, how we've had conversations lately with um, a cable company in another state where cable out there doesn't work. Cable and internet out there don't work the way it works here in Omaha. It's not um, winning households one by one. It's winning entire neighborhoods at a time. And when those come up for renewal, being ready to strike and, and having a campaign built for that short time frame to be able to maximize that opportunity and, and things along those lines. So those, those conversations are so fascinating and so important to the, the whole digital marketing process. And um, what, as we're talking about things that um, should raise red flags or things that um, are kind of digital marketing misses, there's, there's no one-size-fits-all solution. It's, it's really case-by-case basis. And um, if, if agencies are coming starting with tactics without knowing your processes, they're going about it the wrong way. I think... Um on that note too, like when we're talking about not one size fits all, um, it's, it's, it all goes back for me, like to have that discovery call, like knowing what their objectives are, knowing how their customers do business with them. And then how do we replicate like what their identity is in the real world online? Like they're, um, a real, if they're a really visual brand, like what does that mean for design? How do we translate that on site? If they're, um, really customer service focused, how do we connect them and make it, um, like a really personalized, um, experience online. Um, how do we draw this out of our customers? That's like part of <laughs> our challenge mm-hmm. um, is getting to like what they want because I feel like if if we've ever missed the mark, it's because we we didn't get that information up front. Like thinking about some of the work that Max has done recently, like, oh, we designed a site. This is not what we're looking for. We had to redesign. Well, why? Like we needed to have, we needed, we were missing something in our initial conversation and I mean, things change, of course, but like 
Max, can you tell us a little bit more about your design process? What do you need to know up front? Uh, well, everybody has subjective taste uh, as far as their aesthetic and kind of what they're looking for. So that's probably the hardest part. And that I think is really, in, in that particular instance, what changed a lot um, was clients saw something else new and shiny. And so they wanted to look more like that. Um, that happens. <laughs> but everything's subjective. And so it's it, as far as like the design aesthetics and what creative looks like. And so you just really, again, it, it goes back to, conversations and talking through it with them and um, finding out what they like, what they don't like, um, you know, turn ons, turn offs, you know, what, what needs to be on the page in order for it to function correctly for users, uh, what doesn't need to be on the page. Um, and so in everything that I do is I try to get it as simple as possible and try to strip it down to uh, the quickest story for a potential customer to learn and interact with. Um, and then trying to make that aesthetically pleasing for the client and also to uh, make sure that it works in the sense this is where Aaron and I work a lot on is uh, looking at heat maps and making sure that functionally it's all going to work right uh, for their users expected behavior. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a dance, like anything. <laughs> Max, one thing I'd be curious to hear you talk more about is um, kind of design elements that are really commonplace. Uh, and like to me, like the, the big home homepage video, right, is one of them where um, people love it and it looks great, but it creates issues on the site. Um, obviously, site speed is so important. So so maybe we could talk about that one. But are there any others, too, that stand out where um, things people might not think um, will be an issue are actually really hurting them? Yeah, how do you balance all this? Yeah, it depends. Um, you know, so let's go to like a big hero background video, uh, very popular, I don't know, I'd say seven years ago, it's kind of fallen out of favor in the last year or so as everybody's kind of figured out, hey, I'm taking a huge performance hit on Google uh, or Google's telling me I'm taking a huge performance hit, especially on mobile. Uh, so we've been recommending people to move away from that. And there's no, you can still have video on your homepage, but like make it do something, make it uh, you know, work for you. Uh, maybe it's a little, the beginning of a docu-series that we produce or, uh, something that helps explain your business a little bit more versus, you know, uh, a background video, which is neat. Uh, that's something I've been really fighting against, well, pretty much my whole career, but why is this here? And it's always a question you need to ask, like, why is this video here? What is it doing for you? Is it worth the sacrifice you're going to get on page speed? If it is, then fine. If it isn't though, or if you can't give me a good answer, it probably shouldn't be there. Um, some of the other things we look at are um, if the user base for the website is older, don't do a lot of animation. Make sure the type is large enough to read. Uh, maybe get some accessibility plugins put in play uh, where they can adjust the type size easily without having to go through the browser controls. 
um, that's oftentimes a sticking point where you might have a marketing department that wants really flashy, cool animation, but their user base is not going to support that and they're going to lose customers. And trying to balance those expectations out, uh, you know, can be difficult. Uh, but that's also a reason why you could do A-B testing and just see how it plays out. Yeah, that's so important. Again, to like test pivot, test, pivot, like lock in what works and then don't assume that that's going to work forever. Like that's why you continue testing. Um, well, I think even, you brought even up on a, our end, a, even on our end, we shouldn't assume that this, the new latest technology is going to alienate the older user base potentially, you know, they, they could be fine with it. It's hard to say. I mean, the, we're constantly learning. So that's why testing is important. Yeah, I think that's one of the benefits. No, uh, that's one of the benefits too that I feel like um, in working with um, a variety of clients, we're able to kind of have this collective knowledge of um, what's working in different industries, what's worked in the past. Um, one of the things you mentioned that I think is probably can go on the top misconceptions list is when we're designing sites, we're looking at them on like really large screens, huge desktops. But is that how your customers are using it? If your customers uh, using um, mobile to transact with you or to um, at least like fill out a lead form and you want to collect like a 10 page uh, questionnaire that may work on desktop that's not necessarily like great for user experience on mobile so like considering like how they're using your site and when we're going through the design process making sure that you're looking at it in that context not just reviewing the site like on your desktop Um, I think that's where like a lot of times at least from what I've seen is we get requests like, hey, I want it to look like this, and we're designing for desktop when the user's primarily mobile. And using that data that you've had, you've already collected, I'm talking to Aaron, <laughs> using that data that you've collected to kind of make those strategic recommendations. Like what if, how are people using your site? Can you tell us a little bit about what you um, may use for tools or like how we kind of make that assessment? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the more information we're getting from clients up front, the better. Max referenced using heat maps to really understand the way people are using the site um, and and seeing that behavior on mobile is is definitely a a big part of that and understanding um, how to maximize that, maximize the real estate where people are spending the most time and and where their eyes are going is, is huge. And getting into their analytics and seeing what percentage of their traffic is desktop and mobile and um, the world's definitely moving mobile and G- Google's made that clear too that they, they look at your mobile site first um, and kind of base the way they rank you off of that um, and not desktop. So, um, but yeah, it's it's critical and, and you're right. A lot of people, when they evaluate their website, it's, it's on a desktop and, and that's probably not the way outside of certain industries where people are a lot of b2b but industries might be a little bit different because people are researching these topics while they're at work at their computer or something along those lines but um, it has to be a strong consideration and and building from from mobile and then making it work great on desktop is definitely kind of where the world is going yeah, the who, what, where, when, like who's using this? Are they, when are they using this mm-hmm. at home, at work, like on the go? Are they doing it in front of, are they using their mobile in front of the TV? Like there's so many, so many pieces that can like fit together. But again, why I love digital marketing, we can totally geek out. <laughs> we can look at those heat maps, look at the analytics. Um, 
again, even test A-B testing after we've launched a new site, like what's working, what's not? Where do people go once they've hit your homepage? And how do we connect them with the information they're looking for? So at the end, they are choosing you to do business with because they've had that experience. They found what they need. They know how to contact you. They're finally ready. And we make it easy at that moment of truth to like connect them with your business. So, yeah. And it's, it's just a, the process to, to identify those things is so important. And, um, you, you might think you've placed something on your site in a super visible area and it's the most important thing to you. And it's the action you want people to take. And then you put a heat map on there and you find out 15% of people that visit that page make it to that section. So it's just it's just a process, and the testing is, is really important to, to sift through it and, and keep optimizing. My favorite, and Max, correct me if I'm wrong, interstitials, right, pop-ups, um, it, that, like, cracks me up because it's perfect for some some use cases, and it's horrible. Like, if you say to pop, pop-ups to me, I'm like, oh, yuck. Um, and then I'm like, wait, no, actually, they do have their place in, in the world, or, like, forms, or there's chat bots. Like, there's so many of these pieces that I feel like some of our clients are like, I must have a chat bot. I must have a FAQs. I must, and it's like, maybe, maybe. Like, is that does that meet your, uh, help your customers, like, find the information they need at the right time, like, the right way, or is it a complete annoyance? Like, sometimes I get on a site, and I'm like, chat bot, go away. Like, I just want to read. <laughs> and other times you're like, I need someone help. to help me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, the, the pop-ups are a great point. And, and I think people generally um, consider them a negative, at least probably in the digital marketing world, you see them as, as an annoyance. But like we, we have had clients and one e-commerce client in the past where the, po- the pop-ups that they had on their site made a big difference for them as far as um, capturing email addresses and then taking that and turning those people into customers because it was an, an industry and a product that required a lot of education, um, a, a very new product that a lot of people were learning about for the first time. So um, converting them the first time they hit the website was possible, but... Improbable? But like you yeah, needed that, lo- that yeah, like second touch? you needed to keep in touch with them. Um, so so that pop-up to, did a lot for them in that regard to, to allow them to establish relationships. And even with the pop-up, we were testing it nonstop. We were changing out design elements, changing the copy um, to, to kind of optimize that to, to so it would convert at the highest um, rate possible. So, um, yeah, it's it's all very fun. <laughs> I know. But I'm, like, getting so excited. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, well, that um, brings up the point of, like, yeah, not everyone's experience on your site is the same, and that's, like, where mm-hmm. we can kind of push, um, push, like, the envelope is, like, hey, how how is it different when Aaron uses a site versus when I use the site versus when Max uses a site? we can now use like different tools, different, um, just different methods and tactics to make that a different, um, experience. Like, Hey, it's my first visit and here's what I'm going to see. Now it's my second visit and here's what I'm looking for this time. And supplementing, of course, we're just talking about the site, but like, we're going to get into it uh, like on another episode, but like with social media, paid advertising, like the top of the funnel efforts when we're funneling someone down, what is that experience like like on your site first second first visit second visit and like what are people looking for it's it's different it's again not the one size fits all and i'd say that's a a common thing that needs to be considered by clients and like an agency like us who's working on the same site day in and day out is we start to see the site so much differently than a customer ever would 
Um, and we think, you know, you, you can fall into some of these kind of traps where it's, oh, that exists on the home page. Why does it need to exist on like a location page? Um, it doesn't need to exist twice, but for any given customer, the location page could be their landing page and they never see the home page. So if, if that's important and someone needs to see that, you know, no matter what page they land on, um, it's got to be there. So it's kind of some of those things where you do have to back out and think, okay, like how would a customer who's never been to this site before experience this? And um, that, that can be hard to do for, for clients and, and anyone who's working on a site every single day. Sure. Max, what are some of the things that you see clients requesting? Because you mentioned it, you've, they've seen them on other sites. Like I know that's where a lot of clients draw inspiration from, um, like the Nikes, Apples of the world. Um, what are some of the things that you're getting common requests for and like, when do they fit? When do they not fit? Uh, I, I would say probably animation is kind of the maybe number one thing right now, or just a, a, a little bit more interactivity than we've seen probably in the last uh, few years. Any advice you guys have for small, medium-sized businesses? We've kind of talked about like what they can watch out for when they're trying to decide if they should do it themselves or interviewing agencies or part- potential partners um, as they go through like the discovery process, kind of what that should feel like. A lot of a lot of questions getting through what the customer journey is like, what their objectives and uh, end goals are for the site or for the um, for their marketing plan. Um, what other like advice do you have for small businesses when it comes to uh, building a digital marketing strategy? I would say, um, you know, kind of to recap some of the things we've been talking about is is to really be looking out and, and thinking about your digital marketing plan comprehensively and, and long-term. Um, and anyone you're working with, uh, expect them to really get to know you and your business and and um, work with you to build a strategy around that. Um, anyone who's being really pushy um, about a specific tactic or um, really ta- speaking up to something like that and, and how it, it can help you grow um, by, by significant um, you know, percentages and, and help your business grow without, without actually doing the research to understand you and your, your industry and, and how you um, do need to go about achieving those things um, is kind of that red flag. So it's just got to be a long-term comprehensive plan that's, that's really built out specifically for you um, and, and plan on it being something you, you're investing in regularly. It, it's definitely not the, the set it and forget it um, type, type of area. You, if you're not updating and monitoring and, and optimizing on a regular basis, someone else is and, and will kind of surpass you and that initial investment will... Um, kind of stop working for you over time. Yeah, no, that's great advice. What about for you, Max? I, yeah, I'd piggyback on that. Um, I would ask to see a potential partner's process mm-hmm. uh, along the same lines uh, with Aaron. If they're pushy on one particular aspect or if they're vague describing how they're going to accomplish any of these things that they're promising uh, or, or promising anything at all, um, I'd be a little concerned. Um, that's always a red flag for me. That's what we hear back from people that have been burned by other agencies, um, but they're less reputable that 
come to us and say they promised this, this, and this, and it's always kind of a heartbreaking conversation to say, well, they should know that's not possible. Um, unfortunately, you know, with digital marketing, it's often easy to fake it. Um, so I'd ask, you know, ask to see process, be wary of pushy people and um, maybe even take a look at case studies or, you know, recommendations from their client list. They should be able, that should be available. Or past work. I think More it's helpful. Work, yeah. Or, yeah. Um, I think that's a good point because somebody that's really pushy or promising these results. Um, it's, yeah. I've seen that too. It's very scary. It's like, how did they achieve one? If they got those results, how did they achieve those results? Are they going to be long lasting? Was that the healthy way right. to do it? Um and two, digital marketing is so much more than just your website or just like when someone's really pushy, it's usually over a specific tactic. Like you have to do this, you have to do that. And digital marketing is not a one size fits all. So you can't just push like one tactic and, and expect it to work for everyone. So uh, something we didn't even talk about, Max, like in site design, like compliance, ADA, like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much that goes into developing a strategy that needs to be considered that like if you're just pushing one tactic we know you're not going to check the box um like you're you're trying to check a box you shouldn't check so um well all good advice um i really appreciate you guys joining me today thanks for listening today make sure you subscribe to our podcast um wherever you get your podcasts uh and we're super excited to share um more insights from the rest of our team i've heard that is a part of the heard at media network for more information, follow Herdat on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram, or visit herdatmarketing.com. A Herdat Media Production.